Episode 115 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast brought to you by Fangraphs.com. This is Sunday, May 4th, meaning I'm joined by Nick Minix. What's going on, man? Not too much, uh, other than I just learned that Matt Cain, my Towers team, has hit the DL, and that's always fun. Oh, that's always a sweet life. Yeah, I, 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 I've uh, labor, missing Sale, and missing Harper, and missing Connor Gillespie, who was halfway productive. Uh, all those pieces are missing, so it's uh, we fell from second to fourth place this week, and we being Paul Sporer, and since I didn't introduce myself, Jason Collette, uh, on this. So uh, again, we're going to cover what's happening in the rotation, what's happening in the bullpen, guys on their way back, and there's several big names on the way back. And unfortunately, there's several big names on their way out as well. And then uh, somebody by request wanted us to talk about Kyle Loesch and what the heck is going on with him. Uh, it's rather fascinating story when you look at his numbers it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do and then uh talk about uh recent two recent call-ups of note and then pick our favorite two start guys in each league uh, to do that so let's get started with talking about rotation juggling and the twins finally came to their senses and told mike pelfrey that he no longer is welcome in the rotation Unfortunately, they just can't kick him off the team because they just gave him a two-year deal in the offseason. So, uh, but that's seven nine. That's seven ninety-nine ERA had to go, and in his place is Samuel Deduno, who is uh, now in the rotation. Um, obviously, not mixed league material. If you, I mean, stop me if you disagree uh, on this. But no, no, I mean, he's. I, I'm not willing to trust that guy yet in a mixed league. But he's got intri- his stuff is so intriguing that I could see it playing in a mix. See him playing in a mixed league, but. It's kind of risky. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I put my money where my mouth is, so I'm telling you, I play him. He's in my 10-team AL league. He's in my rotation this week because I'm desperate for pitching. But <laughs> he is in my rotation. So is Phil Hughes. That kind of puts you where my team is. But I, So I'm going <laughs> to recommend you, if I'm going to put him on my lineup, I can't tell you not to. Uh, but if you're strong in a 10-team AL, you don't need to. But I'm not, and he's in my lineup. Yeah, I think – I think I mean, uh, AL labor, I had uh, – when I still had that team, I had uh, I drafted Hughes. I'm happy with him so far. I mean, I, I think it'll continue to smooth out. And I think if I had to do no in that league, I'd be happy to play him. I mean, twelve team, twelve team AL league. I mean, the thing with Duno is the strikeout rates up from last year, but it's also because he's been pitching out of the bullpen. That's kind of what that's kind of what gives me reservation. We've seen guys really excel in short spurts in the bullpen, and I know that Duno has pretty much been the mop up guy, but he's still been you know a three inning guy at the most. Maybe don't even need to turn a lineup over. Goes through it the first time, and right now his strikeout rate's twenty two percent. That's that's up from fifteen percent last year. It's up from sixteen percent the year prior. So you may see that and go, ooh, strikeout potential. But to me, this and then you also look at a three sixty four batting average on balls in play and a three sixty one on base average against him. So this is why I've got reservations. The good news is he doesn't really hurt himself. He's yet to allow a home run. He's faced eighty three batters zero home runs last year faced 461 and only gave up seven home runs so the guy doesn't hurt himself with long ball yeah and well the thing about that is uh i mean he's um his ground ball rate is only around 50 percent this year and it's usually been close to 60 i mean he's kept the ball out of the air a lot mm-hmm. and i think that's the combination i still think i don't think i i don't i mean i agree on the strikeouts and i think that i think that there's more strikeout potential there for the growth i think his curveball is really good snaps a lot it has a lot of snaps yes. to it and i think I think there's a lot of upside there, but it's something that develops over time. I mean, he's put together games in a few starts where he's struck out, say, seven and six innings or something like that. He's got that potential, but it's really inconsistent. And I don't think, I mean, that's the kind of thing you, if he was to remain a member of a rotation, I don't think it would be there for at least a, a year or two. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the curveball. I've seen the curveball when he's pitched, and uh, we will, uh, we shall see where it goes um, with that. So, I'm just I'm I'm pausing here because I see a note on on Twitter just came from John Fay who's a beat writer for the Reds who heard from a source that Jay Bruce may need surgery. Uh, we'll get to that later. So it just let's just add that to the name of of guys that's going to have to go away. That's going to really suck, uh, especially because Jay Bruce is carrying my, one of my NL teams that's in first place. So no, but yes, here here comes another name. <laughs> Is that uh, he had a knee injury? I think was it. Was I it, I don't know. I I was kind of tuned out uh, some games. I was busy writing today and kind of got lost in some stuff. 
I know he sat out today, and I wanted to say they th- I think it was knee soreness, but they didn't think it was a big deal at all. So, oh, you know, that's like the that's like the worst thing ever. Oh, it's no big deal. It's all yeah, late, late scratch with knee soreness is what the is what I'm <laughs> saying. And I always say no big deal. And when when Matt Moore first got hurt, no big deal. It's okay. <laughs> out for the year. It's like with this, like he, they said, he injured his knee at some point during Saturday night's game. It was sore enough to keep him out of the lineup today. So if he may need surgery, let's hope it's just something mi- a minor, and he's out for a. Uh, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks, but who knows? With the way the season's going, I, I'm, I'm tired of guessing what's going to happen. Uh, with, I just go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to know too. On uh, Pelfrey, the reason that Deduno is is replacing Pelfrey is actually because Pelfrey hit the deal with a groin strain. So uh, and yeah, but a groin strain, but air quotes. Three, <laughs> but, yeah, but but three or four days ago, uh, Gardenheiner, Ron Gardenheiner said that uh, it was a possibility that he would look to replace Pelfrey in the rotation. So. Whatever, whatever actually is the transaction that made the move possible, did you know is replacing it? I, I think it's. I mean, if if it turns out that be the Pelfrey's injury, I mean, it doesn't sound likely. I think ultimately he ends up back in the bullpen. I think he ends up. He, I don't think he's the worst pitcher in the world, and he's not seven ninety nine ERA bad, right. but. Diduno clearly has more upside than Pelfrey. Let's does. just be honest. Diduno is just here holding the spot for Alex Meyer until the Super 2 yeah. headline passes. So this isn't a long-term thing. With Cleveland, they they put Carlos Carrasco to the bullpen. Everybody thought that it was going to be Trevor Bauer that came up. And I believe, maybe I, I, talk, I think we talked about this. I think Eno and I talked about this Thursday. The fact that there was a good chance Josh Tomlin was going to take over because he was on the same throw schedule as Carlos Carrasco. The way they had set up the rotation, they were pretty much following each other. And sure enough, Josh Tomlin's going to be making that start uh, in, in place of Carlos Carrasco on uh, Tuesday, May 6th, which means he'll t- start again Sunday. So he gets Minnesota and Tampa Bay this week as a two-start pitcher with Tomlin. Talent didn't win out here. I mean, if you were to compare Tomlin and Bauer, it's no contest as far as talent. Uh, Tomlin is coming off 17 straight scoreless settings in AAA. And so, you know, guys that can change speeds like he can, that stuff works. Uh, two start. I, I think it's a it's a rough two start week though because we've talked about how Minnesota's offense can wear you out. I mean they're surprising. They don't have a lot of high average hitters, but you know Brian Dozier will bomb you if you're not paying attention to him. Obviously Mauer's going to hit well, but you know the Minnesota lineup's given people a lot of trouble this year. And then Tampa Bay is really good against right handed batters. I mean they do have their offensive uh, pitchers rather. They have had their struggles this year, but against right-handed pitchers, it gives them a full lineup of Matt Joyce in there, David DeJesus, two guys that always sit against lefties because they can't hit them. Uh, but against righties, it's a completely different story. And I think it's even though it's a two-start week for Josh Tomlin, I wouldn't be that anxious to put him in my lineup. I think I think as far as Tomlin goes, I mean he's not he's not at all surprised that they're going to him first. Um, we I, we may have mentioned it, and then uh, I, I mean I think it's it was worth elaborating one if you guys did it earlier this week. I think. What's interesting to note is that he's because he's coming back. He came back from Tommy John surgery. Um, and I think he first came, you know, started you know, uh, rehab innings last season. Uh, he's since he's come back in spring. He uh, he they report there were reports of increased velocity and not that he never threw hard to begin with, but now he was hitting in the in low nineties, like ninety ninety one. I want to say uh, he's always had really good ground ball stuff, and he had a phenomenal spring. I think I mean to me if. Uh, it, it sounded every bit like Terry Francona believed that he deserved the spot over Carlos Carrasco. I don't think personally that Francona is necessarily a Carrasco guy, but I know that Cleveland has always been Carrasco, Carrasco, Carrasco. So it's interesting to me. I think I want to I want to say that Francona has always kind of had uh, kind of developed a spot for Tomlin just because. I mean, he's done nothing but pitch well for him the time limited time that he's seen him, and I think that there's we we've seen Tomlin succeed with less than seller stuff before. So it's if his stuff has actually improved, the 28 strikeouts and 35 innings in the minors, it's not too bad. But um, I mean, obviously the upside is nowhere near what Bowers is. But I think that there's at the very least a guy I'd be interested to see as far as a future AL only play goes. Yes, yes. Uh, what. I'm just bummed because again Bauer. I really want to see yeah. Bauer pitch. It was very impressive. No, I have what him. I saw. <laughs> I have him in a. I have him. I have him in a couple of leagues stashed. So I'm disappointed. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see where it goes. But it, yeah, if you don't have it, this may be a good time to pick him up even cheaper because had he been in Fab this weekend, uh, you know, tonight uh, being Sunday, it could have been huge. But you may be able to get him on the cheap because it's going to be a little bit more time. They're not just going to call Josh Tomlin up to give him a start and say, okay, bye, never mind. 
I'll be surprised right. if they do, but it, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a one and done. I mean, they, he does have options, obviously, because he was in the minors, so they could put him up and then set him right back down. And maybe, it, maybe this is a matchup thing where they like him better against the Twins, and maybe they like Bauer against uh, against Tampa Bay. I mean, they're both ranking the pitchers, but Bauer has the better stuff. Then we'll see where it goes. Uh, the Blue Jays have made a couple of pitching moves. I mean, they called it Marcus Stroman, who we'll talk about later. But Brandon Morrow's on the 60-day disabled list now. I mean, shocker. I'll give you time to catch your breath here. But uh, I mean, he uh, the finger injury was more serious. They thought it was just like a bruise or a strain. And it turned out he's got like a torn tendon in, or a torn sheath in one of his tendons. And, I mean, he's going to be out three months. Yeah, I uh... – I got to be honest, I'm just, I'm kind of shocked that Morrow ended up on the 60 day DL before Dustin McGowan. That's pretty much yes, any shock. That is here. true. That is true. But Jay Happ is going to take his place in the rotation. They they are running with a six man rotation right now. So this is something, in case you haven't noticed with Toronto, they are running an extra pitcher right now. Uh, because when you have six pitchers, you really have one. And Dickey and, and Burley are really the only guys. I mean, Hutchinson is doing decently, but it, it has not gone. I mean, the, the, we're 30 games into the season. I think Toronto's 13 and 17 or 14 and 17. So uh, it's playing out much as we expected. But Hap, I mean, the, the issue with Hap, he can get some strikeouts. Those things have been there, but it's always been a ratio risk. It really depends on his matchups. So you have to kind of watch where he's where he's going but he from time to time especially last year before he got you know before he ended up i'm trying to think last year the year before before he got domed he uh had a good strikeout rate uh 2012 23 percent strikeout rate last year dropped to 19 percent this year it's been at 19 percent but he's only pitched in three games uh so matchup starter for me i don't want to touch him in a mixed league but 10 or 10 10 or 12 team a league i i would start him yeah i don't i can't see a a problem with that i think uh, i mean it's it's Health has always been something that I think has affected his his performance a great deal. Even he's been known to pitch through injuries and things like that, and hasn't been for his his or the team's benefit. So, I, I mean, I don't expect expect much in the short term, or even the, uh, definitely not the long term. But uh, be, I mean, if if he shows that he's healthy and gets that strikeout rate back, I know the, the last problem he had was a back problem. If the strikeout rates are, if, if it's going up, I think he's easily useful in AL only leagues, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh- in Kansas City, Bruce Chen to the disabled list. Danny Duffy in the rotation. Uh, not a good start. I mean, he had his first start against Detroit. This was a bad matchup on paper for him, and it turned out to be even bad in the, in the stat line for him. He did only allow one run, but only went four innings. Gave a lot of two hits, two strikeouts, four walks uh, in this. Only faced 17 batters uh, in, in this. We knew he wasn't going to go too long in this because he had worked in the bullpen you know, he had pitched uh, seven games in relief, or, or six games in relief, rather, so he was not stretched out. So it should have, the 75 pitch count seemed like a very hard and fast pitch count for him, and he was out after 75. It just happened to be exactly four innings of work. Uh, thoughts here, this this doesn't seem like a permanent move, but a lot of people, you look at the stuff out of the bullpen, you're like, wow, this is going to be great. But we're talking about a guy now who has a 25% walk uh, strikeout rate, but a 13% walk rate. I mean, the stuff's electric. But can he command it enough to stay in a rotation, even if Chen were to be out for a long time, which he's not, or something else happens? Yeah, that's the concern for me is that, uh, I mean, Chen is giving him the opportunity, not just with the injury, but performance lately and uh, just from the start of the season. But, I mean, I don't, I don't see anything that indicates to me Duffy had a trouble retiring a hitter in, either, in his last two relief appearances. So I think if if – if the if the strikeouts are playing, there wasn't quite as many walks. I mean, we always know control has been a problem with him, but I think I mean ever since he's had health uh, his his last health issue, he hasn't really displayed uh, much control to begin with. I think that that's it. It doesn't it doesn't look good, I guess, in the short term to be able to to replace Chen. Yeah, agreed with all of that. Now with the Pirates, Wandy Rodriguez's knee is not in good shape. Uh, he's not in good shape. This is this this was some concern going into the season. Jeff Locke has been put in the rotation for him. Jeff Locke is pitching tomorrow against um, San Francisco. Uh, people will remember, I believe Jeff Locke was an All Star last year, and then after yeah. that, just yep. completely imploded. Two and six over his final twelve starts. ERA of six eighteen, something like that. Six twelve and one ninety WHIP. Uh, just awful. I mean, it was it was smoke and mirrors in the first half. Anyhow, everybody knew it was coming, and then regression really crushed them. Uh, are, you, are you even gonna? Are you anxious to pick him? This obviously not mixed league material, but twelve team NL league. Are you gonna plug? If you had Wandy Rodriguez, would you plug him in there, or would you go look for a, a middle reliever that could possibly pitch a few times and get you some strikeouts? Uh, well, I think. I mean, I I certainly think the pitcher we saw. I mean, last season it was a blend of the two. Uh, and so we, when we knew the second, this uh, torrential second half was coming, what, I mean, obviously, uh, it, 
I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I mean he's and he had good numbers to start off in the minors. Um, I think that that's there's there's still some there's some potential here. I'd be willing to throw a buck at him, a couple of bucks at him, and see where it goes. I mean, I think it could all, it could long term play out to be that it's well, I don't want to say long term because uh, eventually they could give it to someone else. They also have uh, uh, Brandon Compton as a possibility, and I think that he's better than his numbers played out to be. Uh, but it just it has the look of a rotation spot that's never going to be solidified, or at least for uh, for quite some time. So, I mean, I'd be willing to take a shot on him, uh, but kind of as a as a low end alternative, and maybe I hope it it pans out again. Yeah, for me, I'm running away from. I just don't like when I watch a guy pitch like that. And in the 12 team, I think I'd rather go with a with a reliever if I could find a middle reliever that can at least give me some strikeouts, potentially vulture some wins. I, that's the kind of guy I want to take a chance. To just I think it's just too much risk for me with uh, with lotion. I would apply the same thing to Jake Odorizzi, the next guy. Uh, I wrote a lengthy article over at theprocessreport.net this morning about him. The fact that he can't go through a lineup a second time. The first time through a lineup this year, this is over six starts. So this, the first 54 plate appearances. Uh, so the first time through a lineup, he's held batters to a 140 batting average. And the rest of the game, it's been 450. It's just it just what happens when you watch him pitch. And I, I go over this at length in that article. He is a – and what teams are stacking him with lefties, just loading up the left-handed batters against him because he's all fastball and changeup. He, he, for whatever reason, is afraid to throw his breaking ball to left-handed batters. Not only is he afraid to do that, he's also afraid to come into them. So he's throwing fastballs and changeup out over the plate. The first time through, batters, you know, they, they know the two pitches, and they pretty much know where they're going to be. Um, and he does a good job of commanding his pitches, and he gets ahead and he throws that swing and miss changeup that Alex Cobb taught him. Second time through, they're like, well, I'm not waiting around for that changeup. I'm taking the first pitch I can see and crushing it, and they're taking it to the opposite field because he's working out there. And, and that start on Saturday at Yankee Stadium, first time, first three times through, cruise it, except for the final guy, Jervis Solarte. Final at bat of the, of the first time through the lineup, Solarte went 12 pitches against him, and it was just like you could see the trouble I was – uh, Facebook chatting with somebody I know that uh, works media for the team. And I'm like, they get, better get that bullpen going right now. This is going to implode quickly. And you could, I mean, what happened, he got the two and two, four pitches in, two and two. Took seven more, seven more pitches, six foul balls and a ball to get to a full count. And then he finally lined out on the 12th pitch of the at-bat. That is the, that's the number nine hitter in a lineup. You got him to two strikes. It took you eight pitches to put him away. That was like red sirens. Oh my God! Here comes the trouble. And sure enough, next inning, Ellsbury single, and then it was a uh, single, single, double, something else, home run by Teixeira. It was just like fireworks. And then he was out of the game. They actually let him pitch to Ellsbury a third time, and it was another hit. And it was like, okay, done. Because even his out for being hard hit, it was ridiculous in, in this in this contest. So, and it's been five straight starts of the same thing, just cruising through the first part of the lineup and the second part, they they crush him. And the thing is. You know, because he doesn't really have a put-away pitch, batters just work counts. Uh, when I went back and looked at the data on this one, it's taken him at least 40 pitches to turn a lineup over in his last five starts. I mean, that look, Eric Bedard today was able to turn the Yankee lineup over in about 23 pitches. It took It's taken Odorizzi at least 40 pitches, as many as 52, to turn it over. And after that, it just hasn't been the same and the, the Braves have said they're going to keep him in rotation. I would if I wish I could have been there to say why. It makes about it. I don't get it. I mean, I know there's another hamstrung. I know with three guys on the disabled list and one guy suspended, they really don't have many options. But at the same point, I would rather have one of the minor league kids up at this point pitching in that spot and let Oda Rizzi go pitch the long man in the bullpen because it would at least give him some success. I mean, we know that he can turn. A, he can go through a lineup once. So I thought you yeah. do that in the bullpen and get get this kid some some success because you could see it you could see it on his face. I mean, after that start in the fourth, you can see his oh man, here it goes again. Uh, and I would just rather set him up for some some success, put him in the bullpen. But the Rays don't seem willing to do that. They called up Nate Carnes today for some bullpen coverage. They sent him right back down after the game. And it looks like they're going to call up uh, Brad Boxberger for the bullpen uh, this week. Uh, Tuesday before they take on Baltimore, so it looks like that's going to be the bullpen move. But it, I mean, with Odorizzi, I don't, I wouldn't even say buy low right now because this is a mess. I would sell low, whatever you can do. I, I don't like what I see right now. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously that's you're gonna you're gonna know him about a hundred times better than I will. I just I think that like 
he's, he's thir- to me, he's a disappointment because of the fact that, uh, uh, I mean, I think his stuff is good. He's, he's, you know, long-term potentially very you know, above average number four t- t- slash number five type pitcher for a, a, a solid rotation. But if you're saying, and, and that's where I think is disappointing is, and it's kind of shows up in the, in the, uh, in the walks per nine and the strikeouts per nine is strikeouts per nine is well above what you would expect for the string, swing strike percentage and what you would expect from him anyway. And it's, uh, I think the walk rate is just, it's clearly indicative of the fact that, uh, um, I mean, he's, he's staying away from guys and he's probably getting strikeouts for the same reason because, uh, I mean, anybody who's taken an account deep enough against him and he's, he's not going to give him something to hit. I mean, that's, that's kind of thing where if you see, uh, the, the, the walk, the strikeout rate rise in conjunction with the walk rate, that that's generally what guys are doing. And he's, he's never, he's, he can't be successful if he's walking people. He just can't be, because uh, that's not that's not his game. So it's just it's disappointing because it sounds like, based on what you're saying, he's really not trusting himself. He's not real confident right now, and that's, I mean, that's it, he belongs in the bullpen or the minors. Uh, and it, it, I mean, it also screams eventually. I mean, I think there's there's still some. I think there's still some hope for Jeremy Hellickson. Correct me if I'm wrong. You probably know a lot more there than me, but uh, it's going to be a while though. It's they they, they yeah, said it's going to be toward end, yeah, it's going to be the end of June, uh, and it looks like Comp will be back at the earliest by end of May, but most likely early June. There was some talk that Hellickson was going to be back, you know, just after Memorial Day, but they they pushed that back a few weeks. They want him to go through a full spring training, so he's going to go to extended spring training, do a full thing. And work work his way through there. Like I said, in any other situation, Odorizzi would be in the minors. There's no if ands, or buts about it because he's getting shelled. In the past, it was he had splits issues, but you look at his overall splits, and they're, he's getting shelled by righties and just getting bombed by lefties. There's no if ands, or buts about it. And this is, I mean, this is not what you can do. And when you're in a rotation that has, I know Bedard went six today against the Yankees, stunned all of us, and he went five against the Red Sox. But when you got Ramos and Bedard five and dive pitchers, you can't have your your other guy being a three and flee or a four in the door type pitcher. It's just putting so much work on the bullpen. The bullpen is like one of the top four as far as pitches thrown. They just DFA'd Heath Bell today, and just that stuff wasn't getting it done. And uh, he's gone, so they're just trying to keep bullpen arms fresh. It's just a, it's a crazy situation, but I, I really can't recommend investing anything in uh Odorizzi. and even i know tom malone got bombed yesterday by by baltimore but that's another situation as somebody uh that's on the fritz usually it was it the way things always went was with tom malone start him in oakland bench him on the road and if you didn't follow that advice this weekend then you got bombed after especially after you get the grand slam to uh to johnny gomes but this situation with tom malone it's not like this is a different situation because at least with Tampa Bay, they don't really have an alternative. I mean, if they had, if they believed in Nate Carnes, he would have stayed up today, and they would not have just sent him back down in the minors. If they believed any Romero was ready, they would have called him up. But, but or what, Mike Montgomery. What you, what, yeah, I was going to ask, what do you think of Mike Montgomery? Because I mean, he used to be a top prospect, and I know that he's. I think he's gotten some velocity back, I guess, and and the numbers lately have been pretty good. So right, they said the stuff just, looks. I, they said the stuff looks a little better down in, in AAA this year. I wasn't impressed with what I saw during the Arizona Fall League, but they said the stuff looks a little better this year. So maybe it could play up. He is, I mean, left-handed pitcher. Um, I, at this point, I would take anybody but Odorizzi. But <laughs> I mean, with, with getting over to Malone, twenty-seven two-thirds innings pitched, thirty-one hits, eighteen earned runs, twenty-one runs has allowed four home runs. Uh, 16 strikeouts and 12 walks. So he's got the double whammy going on where he's allowing the walks and allowing the home runs. That's how you get to an ERA of 586. That's how you get to a whip of 155. Uh, you know, Drew Pomeranz is in the puzzle here. Josh Lindblom's in the puzzle down in the minor leagues. They they have other options. How much longer do you think Oakland sticks with Malone? To me, it can't be long. I mean, uh, Malone can't get away with walking people. He never He's never walked anyone, and now suddenly he is. And bottom line is, I mean... To me, it's it's just a matter of time. I mean, if if especially if walks are uh, as long as walks are a problem, I think if he just got hit, they would live with it. But uh, the fact that he's walking people too, and that he's always been an option as a long man, where it makes so it makes sense to to make a swap with Pomeranz, for instance. Pomeranz had a fantastic spring. It looks like he could be you know a great reclamation project for them. But uh, I mean, Malone, and I think Malone's even his he doesn't throw hard, but his velocity is even down a little bit more. So um, I mean, he's He's kind of just a guy, but he's always had immaculate uh, control and command, and he doesn't seem to be, especially with the control, I think is a problem right now. So I would, I, I think it's a, it's a case, obviously, of the A's, they, 
it's a very quality team. They need to make a switch. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to the bullpen and look at when we get to Chicago. Hector Rondon has been given the closer's job for now. Uh, it seems like this is something he could hold on when you look at what he was competing against. Barris wasn't getting it done. Uh, and the rest of the situation was, you know, somebody's got to take it in the absence of leadership lead. And it looks like that Rondon's getting that done. You look at a 27% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate, holding batters to a 196 batting average. Those are legit skills. And it, yes, the Cubs are a bad team. But yes, Kevin Gregg saved 33 games for these guys last year, and they were a bad team then, too. So w- with Rondon, I mean, my, honestly, my only concern is they fluff up his value and trade him to a situation where he's no longer the closer. But it, when you look at what's there, this could be a good situation. A few weeks ago, it looked like yeah, somebody was uh, chiding me. Because a few weeks ago, I was like, I don't know about picking up Rondon. Because obviously, I, I believe they wanted to build up Varus's value, give him as much chance as possible, so they could trade him. Now right. he's not, uh, you know, didn't get it done. Uh, and now now the job is Rondon's, and maybe they just move on to that process because relievers are fungible, uh, fungible commodities. Uh, and, and they'll obviously, if they want to, if there's value there, they can sell them. Uh, at the deadline here, but right now, yeah, invest because you know saves are saving the ways these guys are dropping like flies. Pick the one up that's hot and try to do what you can with them. Yeah, I think. I mean, Rondon is a he's a he's he's cheap. Is he's cheap for them? I don't see them being a guy that they trade. I think. I mean, or I'm sorry, uh, well, Varys is the one we're talking about to be a trade, but I, I don't think that that's I don't think that's going to factor in. I mean, ultimately, that would just uh, that would just that would be what. Well, not not a great message, I guess, to send. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to to take a guy out who's performing well and put in a guy that you simply there's simply obviously no other motivation other than to tend to fluff up his value for a trade. Uh, so I don't see that happening. I mean, the Cubs, the, I mean, I'm sure the Cubs could do a lot of things that you might consider to being shady decisions, considering the type of roster that they have and that they're not contenders or anything like that. But that would just be over the top. Yeah, uh, and then by the way, Keith Law is confirming that Jay Bruce may need surgery as well. Yay! Uh, <laughs> so the other bullpen situation uh, that's really messy, and uh, this is Toronto. Sergio Santos is now out, uh, and this bums me. This was a guy that I was I recommended uh, strongly because I thought he looked so good last year, but right now this guy simply can't command his pitches. On the good side. Striking out 36% of the guys he faces. On the bad side, he's walking 19% of them. And those he's not walking or striking out, he's allowing home runs to. Uh, he's given up. He's faced 47 guys. He's struck out uh, 17 of them. He's walked 9 of them. He's allowed 3 home runs. His batting average on balls in play is 500. <laughs> this is insane. And enough's enough, and he's out uh, of this job. And Casey Jansen's on, I think he's starting a rehab tomorrow. So he may be back, but he's tried to start a rehab three times, and it's been setbacks each time. What do you do in this bullpen right now? <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> if you're in an AL only league, I mean, I'd be happy to take a chance on an Aaron Lope. Is it Lope? Loop. Loop. Okay, and I mean, he's a very quality pitcher for them. I mean, he's left-handed, um, and uh, he's one of two. I mean, obviously, Brett. Ce- I don't. Uh, Brett Cecil is. I mean, last year I think Cecil picked up a save. I, I think one of the two, but Loop is been the guy they've been using it set up um and steve delabar might get some opportunities i mean i'd be happy to add one of those guys in an AL league i think the skills are better than i think what delabar's results have been but uh, uh and certainly loop uh, they said that uh loop would get the save opportunity if one if one came about on saturday i don't actually know if they if they ended up getting one or not but uh i don't think he has a save so i guess not but uh, I, I think ultimately it's just a it's a case where it's it's going to be their as long as as long as long as they have um, uh, belief that that uh, Jansen is going to be back very soon, it's just they're going to keep the seat warm. And uh, I, I, to me, I, I view Santos. I love him. I love the skills and the ability. He's like somewhere between Carlos Marmol and Ernesto Frieri for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the ability to be just as I mean Ernesto Frieri, Frieri at his best is uh, is fantastic, and and certainly that could be. I think that's every bit the case with Santos. Uh, but the, the control of the command, I mean, that's not, that's, that's never, uh, it's never, it's, it's always been kind of a big problem for him, uh, a former catcher, I believe, and, and uh, he'd always had these kind of problems and really seemed to get it under control in his last season with the White Sox. Obviously, that's why the Blue Jays wanted him. Actually, Santos uh, was a former shortstop. Ah, he was drafted by the okay. Diamondbacks way back when, but yeah, he was a former shortstop. Okay. Maybe uh, uh, maybe it's Jason Mott and Kenley Jansen. I don't know. I get them all confused. <laughs> um, but uh, 
But uh, I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's not it's not a pretty situation uh, if if you're playing for saves. I mean, in mixed leagues, I wouldn't bother with it because there's nobody here that's gonna uh, it, unless like if you're in a 15 team mixed league uh, and you're worried and you think Jansen um, is uh, that there's not uh, any certainty about him coming back, I'd be more inclined to hold on to Santos than I would be to try to chase anybody else in front of the bullpen. Yes, speaking of uh, situations that are not pretty, Kyle Farnsworth uh, may not make it to Mother's Day as the closer. Uh, I, that's, I, that was your deadline. Okay, I was, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. It was the Mother's Day versus Memorial Memorial Day. And, yeah, he may not make it to Mother's Day. Batting average, a batting average against is 300. Uh, slugging is 520. Not good. Had to, Terry Collins had to get him the vote of confidence, and so I figured it was oh, the worth kiss of death. About. The kiss of death, yes, yeah, yes, because he's allowed, I think, runs in like three his last three appearances or something, and they had to, so Collins had to confirm that Farnsworth is still the closer. I mean, hey, Dice K Matsuzaka is threatening your job security. You might be doing something wrong. Here's what I here's what I say. Maybe <laughs> maybe they uh, wait for him to clear waivers and they pick up Heath Bell, bring him home, who was an original draft pick by the New York. Ah, Knights, yes. And just that let him be... out. I mean, look at the look at the lineage: Jose Valverde, Kyle Farnsworth, Dice K Matsuzaka, Heath Bell. Party like it's 2006. Yeah. Just do it. Uh, we'll see. Yes. We'll see where that goes. I think we talked about this last Sunday. With you mentioned Freire a minute ago, but we talked about this last Sunday. You know, guy or that or Jim Johnson, your first show. We said, look, when guys lose jobs, just don't dump them because the skills got them the job. Maybe they can get it back. Since Freire lost his job, he's pitched rather well. Yeah, four and two thirds scoreless. Um, a lot of strikeout. I don't. I don't even think he's walked anybody. He may have walked one. I don't know. But uh, and that's the problem. Well, the big problem is the walks and uh, if he's having trouble i think it's commanding the off speed or breaking stuff i mean he does, it basically just throws a a hard four seamer and a hard two seamer i think mm-hmm. so i mean it, it's one and it's one of the two that he always has trouble commanding um but uh, i mean it's been phenomenal it, again it's just i think it's a matter of concentration for him it was at times i think that was an issue for him last season it was you know hey look we're not going to let you close here soon. And then suddenly he got his act together. And a couple of weeks later, he got the job back again last season. Yeah, it's, so. it's like always when, when, you know, when he blows up, it was huge. And when I remember yeah. looking back at it, it's like he gave up eight runs and something like an inning and two thirds. He would have these gigantic stink bombs of an outings. And then it just, and that's what happens with the, with, with relievers because they could have, they could have, you know, 50 great innings, but five really bad free area innings. Just blows it up. All of a sudden, his, his rate, his ERA is four fifty, but his WHIP is like one seventeen. You just kind of got to look at this and take the good with the bad. I do, I do think he gets his job back, and I do think yeah. it, it'll probably happen sometime this month. So if Freire is available for you at a buying opportunity, kick the tires on it and see what can happen. For sure, I think I think last year a problem for him was. Um... A number of occasions, Sosha used him for more than one inning, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I watched, I watched a, a few of those appearances, and it was just clear that uh, the the second inning, whenever he had to sit, it was like he just lost command of what I was just totally lost a feel for something, and I mean, he was wild, and and then when he finally had to come in a strike zone, he had to give in. I mean, he was just getting hammered. I mean, it's just it's clear that he can't sit, and they, and so I don't know what the issue is necessarily this time around because the walks aren't as big an issue, but whatever it is, he seems to have worked that out, and I think yeah, it's a, a I mean, it, it, again, it's a, it's the same thing. You know, the risk is going to be there. He could easily give the job back or give the job away, and again in two a month and a half or two months, but. Uh, I mean, he could easily hold this down for the rest of the season and put up great numbers from here on out. Yeah, definitely with him. And, we'll, and lost lost the point I was going to make there with him. But yeah, definitely buy. Uh, I'm looking at an opportunity to you know if you can buy him, buy him because skills play out here. I still think this is he's still the better option. He was the better option going into the season. A bad week and a half shouldn't kill him for the rest of the year. He should get another opportunity here. Uh, and sure. and let's see where Sosha. You just can't shelf a guy like this. Let's look at guys coming back, and there's plenty of them. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, if you hear the chorus of hallelujahs in the background, he is finally back <laughs> on Tuesday. And I know a lot of people spent first-round draft picks on him, and he is finally going to be back on Tuesday, so that's great news for the Dodgers. Billy Hamilton has been out throughout the weekend. This was probably going to be the case. He sprained two of his knuckles making a defensive play, and he has been out the entire weekend. I didn't see if he got to pinch run today. That was kind of the thing that I was keeping an eye on. If he was not going to pitch run, that meant they were keeping him inactive in case they had to retroactively place him on the disabled list. Then they would have to, uh, they would be able to do that. 
but I know he didn't pinch run on uh, Friday or Saturday. I know when I kept him out of the lineup when I was looking over it that daily, he did pinch run today. So that's good sign ah. that he did pinch oh, run. Okay. So that would mean that they think that knuckles going to be those knuckles will be okay, and he won't need to go on the disabled list. Uh, so if you missed him over the weekend, he should be back. Maybe it's another day or so, but the fact that he pinched ran today is a great sign that they won't be react- retroactively placing him on the disabled list. Adam Lynn's going to be coming back from a sore back here sometime during this week. Lorenzo Kane will be coming back from his strained groin muscle during this week. Lord knows the Royals need any offensive help they can get. Uh, Doug Fister, who has been out all season uh, with an oblique strain he suffered in spring training, is making his first start of the week uh, of the season rather on Friday at Oakland. I don't know about you. Normally, I'm like, yeah, put him right back in my lineup. But Oakland, that, no. I, I don't want to do that. No, I wouldn't do it this week. No, and and there was uh, the Nats were debating whether they were even going to bring him back. Like, and this was this was the week they were targeting for the last few. And um, now, and they had some reservations apparently just from brief news uh, news briefs I read uh, in the last couple uh, couple of days. So uh, the fact that they finally decided on it, and I don't think, I mean, I think he threw like four or five innings in his last rehab start. It just all adds up to, I'd, I'd wait another week. Yeah. Bad matchup. Yes. Yeah. I, I really don't like the match. I'd just rather sit on him next uh, and wait till next week and see what to start. And same kind of thing goes with Scott Feldman. He should be back o- over the weekend. He was out with a bicep strain. I'm going to wait for him, uh, especially because he's such a, a, a pitch with feel guy. And I just want to see where he's at. Um, Connor Gillespie should be back during this week. And I think there's some th- things in play here with him. I know he had a home run today in his rehab assignment in AAA Charlotte. He should be back this week. When he comes back, you would assume he's going to take over the third baseman duties, which will free up Marcus Semien. I wonder if they're going to put Semien out in the outfield because right now, I mean, they're so shorthanded out there because they lost yeah. uh, Eaton's on the disabled list now. And uh, they already they had already lost Garcia. They were playing the rotation of Eaton, Diaza, and Vicieto now it's Jordan Danks, and Jordan Danks is not an everyday player, but he's having to play. They picked up Moises Sierra off waivers from Toronto. He's on that depth chart, but I wonder if they put Simeon in the outfield because he's hitting pretty well for them, and it gives them some versatility. I wonder if Simeon picks up some uh, eligibility and some more playing time in the outfield so Glassby could take over the third base duties. Yeah, I could, I could certainly see that. I think, uh, I mean, I think Gillespie's, or I'm sorry, Simeon's, his average has dropped close to 200. Uh, it made me concerned, like... I, I feel like he's always like kind of teetered on that, uh, and just as like somebody's coming back, potential to take his playing time, he's kind of hit well, or somebody else has gotten injured, and he gives him more reason. And I think that he's, he, I mean, he may have proven his point uh, enough to where I mean, there's such there's such intrigue with the bat. He's come up with a couple of big hits for them at times. Uh, that uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, he I, he's giving them reason for to, for them to keep him around. Uh, kind of like I, I guess uh, to me, Jonathan Scope is not quite as good as. I mean, that's just, sorry, it's kind of totally tangential, but it's kind of, I mean, I think that Scope is going to have a way for him to for him to really justify uh, the playing time in the long term. I think he needs some more improvement. But Simeon, I, I, I agree, I think, and uh, Gordon, if, if they keep Simeon around, to me it's kind of indicative of the fact that they don't really have a lot of confidence in Gordon Beckham to get Nor to should continue they. to tribute. Yeah, and because, and I mean, he had a good season last year, but it was, it was a lot of empty batting average, and if, if I mean, right now he's got a right now Beckham's got a four fifty three OPS. Ooh, uh, yeah, and, and they're, they're going to cut him. They're going to cut him a little slack because he just came off the DL himself. Uh, I mean, but ultimately, uh, this is a guy who's never panned out for them. It's a, a lot of new face or a lot of new folks running this organization. There's not really going to be a re- there, there's not really any reason having loyalty to him. So, uh, Simeon proves that. Uh, you know, he can do anything uh, above what uh, Beckham is bringing to the plate. Uh, I think that they're they'll eventually they're going to phase him in there. Yes, uh, and lastly, Chase Headley begins his rehab assignment on Monday. Lord knows the Padres could use him. That lot, that offense is the worst in the major leagues over the last three weeks. I was looking at this for some daily note stuff uh, for ESPN this morning, and they are terrible. I mean, Yonder Alonso, Jed Jerko, and Will Venable have the three lowest weighted on base averages in baseball over the past three weeks. That's pretty much the middle of their lineup. Uh, they are not hitting well. If, if you're listening to this, the daily guy, and Jordano Ventura is going up against this lineup on Monday night. If, oh! Yeah, it, it could be a very, I mean, when I had to rank the pitchers for daily scores, Ventura was at the top of this list. This could not be a better matchup. It, it, uh, oh, it's going to be pretty. It should be. I hope it doesn't disappoint. I hope it's not like one of these. It's so good on paper. He gets obliterated. But this is a dream matchup if you're a Ventura owner. I uh, 
I don't know how it works. Like, do you have to pause it or uh, do you just edit this out afterward? But I need a minute to go change my undershorts. <laughs> and you're a West Coast guy, so you won't have to stay up to watch this. This will be right in your sweet spot. No, no, yeah. Time. Not like me. I yeah. got to stay up to watch that game. But it's going to be fun to watch that one. Might have to go out among a group among a group of Padres fans and 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 uh, rib them or uh, take some shots at them while that's going on. You mean you should you should just go to the game? <laughs> ah, I mean here's great. the thing because I, I mean there's obviously there's no oh is it in San Diego? It's in San I did Diego, not realize so there's that. not even a DH. That's the great thing about this. There's not oh, even that's... a DH, so Billy Butler can't play, and not like he was hitting that well anyways. But he's going to be facing a pitcher, and he gets an ice cold lineup whose uh, leading home run hitter is Mike Mustakas with four bombs, and that's only only four hits that guy's got all year. Uh, nobody else in the team has more than two home runs. George Cotteris, a guy they waved a few weeks ago, hit two home runs a day. Had they not waved him, he'd be second on the team in home runs. That's how punchless that line. That's how punchless the Kansas City lineup is. Let me just go backwards because I just started talking about his same team. But the Padres, anyhow, the Padres don't have much punch in them. As I said, the three guys in the middle of their lineup are weak. This may be a one to nothing game. Ventura may win this game one to nothing because neither of these teams can hit. That's why I also advocated for Eric Stoltz. I said in the daily notes, start Stoltz because. This Kansas City lineup is doing nothing, especially against lefties. The only guy on the team that's really hitting lefties is Aoki. I mean, he's, because he bails out when he swings, he actually can hit lefties well. But he's it. I mean, there's really nothing, nobody else in that team that can hit. I see this game being one nothing, 2-1 maybe. I hope it holds up like that. I hope Endura dominates because I said he's going to dominate in this lineup. But, yeah, this is a game, if you, if you love pitching, you want to go tune into this game or go to it if you can. That sounds like a winning plan to me. I think... Uh, just one note on the – I know the Padres, they have you know, every reason to believe that they're, they're going to be a bad offense. But, I don't. I mean, they're not – they've had a number of uh, issues with the hitting coaches in the past couple of seasons. And they, I don't know if it's just that they have problems with the meshing of the hitting philosophies between the players and the coaches or what. I mean, it's just every once in a while those kind of things come up. And I forget who the new hitting coach is there, but uh, um, – uh, it just makes you – I mean, Yonder Alonso is not that bad a hitter. Uh, Jed Jerko, obviously, we know has a lot of upside. Uh, Yasmani Grandal has hit, has hit decently for them. I mean, there's there's a potential there. There are definitely there are definitely players in this – Cameron Maven has kind of hit since he's come back from the DL for about, for about a week. I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely potential in this offense. It's just – it makes you wonder why they're not getting absolutely anything from it. It is frustrating to watch it because it, you saw the growth that Venable made last year. Uh, you know, the, the 2020 oh, he's season, he's been awful this year. And you see, a, you know, Grandal, there's too much talent in this lineup to be hitting this poorly. You can't blame it in the ballpark. That's what's really frustrating here. It's like, come on, really? Uh, I would just like to see more production out of it. And it, it's it's yeah. kind of frustrating because they moved the fences in and it's, it's like it's gotten even worse. I was, I was stunned when I saw how badly. Let's put it this way. Over the last three weeks, they've had at least 10 hits once just <laughs> once and that's i mean you should be able to fall into that kind of thing but th- and that's where they are so let's see what happens with them i mentioned earlier a lot of guys in their way out and this is unfortunate there i looked at it the other day i think it was something like 25 percent of the players drafted in the first four rounds of the 15 team mixed labor league have been on the disabled list at one point this year in the first four rounds and these are the guys that have hit the disabled list <clears throat> in the last 48 hours or are maybe on their way there Jason Kittness, oblique string, out three to five weeks. That sucks. That's a second-round draft pick. Ryan Braun, oblique string, DL. That's a first-round draft pick. Willem Rosario, he and Josh Rutledge both have a viral infection. They're both on the disabled list. Rosario, I saw him go as high as – he was a top 70 pick. Hunjin mm-hmm. Ru, shoulder soreness, disabled list. He's out uh, – looks like just 15 days. Adam Eaton re-aggravated that hamstring that – Kept him off the disabled list last time. Now he's on the DL. He probably should have just stayed no, there. I think the first. I think the first one was left. I, I oh, read, the other one. Uh, okay. I, yeah. Right. Yeah. But this way, they, uh, I thought it was another one. You know, what I'm thinking of Michael Bourne. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so bad. Michael Bourne. They don't know if he's going to be able to avoid the avoid the disabled list. They say it could be anywhere one to five days. If you know, honestly, no, most of the time they don't keep guys off the dis- on on the you know on the bench five straight days. Most of the time they'll disable them and do it retroactively. Um, but he, they aren't sure if it was scar tissue or if he reaggravated in cold weather, so he may hit the disabled list. David Freeze hit it with a, a with a non-displaced fracture in his finger. They said he's just going to need the 15 days, but they went ahead and put him on the disabled list. Aaron Hicks ran into a wall, has a concussion. 
He's out. Ryan Sweeney's out with a hamstring strain for three to four weeks. He wasn't really going to be in your lineup. Josh Reddick had to leave the game today with an ankle sprain. Didn't look good. He got trying to beat out a double play. Didn't look good. He may have to hit the disabled list. Irvin yeah, Sand called him day to day. Oh, they call him day to day. It didn't look good. I mean, I Watched like, it live. It didn't look good. Yeah, no, that's what I thought. That's and I was like, I put him on here saying too deep. Uh, I was gonna uh, on our uh, you know uh, on uh, invisible list, and I was like, oh, this guy is probably headed to the DL. And then they called him day to day. I was like, that's not what it looked like to me. But hey, <laughs> so I, I would I would not be. I mean, I would I would not plan on him myself just from just from watching that. I looked. It, I would be uncomfortable. Uh, heading into this week, thinking that he's going to be in my lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irvin Santana had a start pushback. He was initially supposed to be a two-start pitcher this week. He's now a one-start pitcher because he bruised his thumb when he got jammed at the plate swinging at a pitch. Once again, why in the hell do pitchers have to hit <laughs> DH in both leagues now? Uh, but So the good news is it at least opens a spot start up for Gavin Floyd, who's coming off the disabled list. He's going to make his first start of 2014 uh, in his place. Don't know if he's going to go deep into this game. You might think, so he's going to get a start. Let me see what he can do. I don't even know if he makes it five innings. He made five starts in AAA this year, went 19 and a third. Clearly, he was on some kind of limit. Uh, did give up three home just, runs and did give up hit. He's seen the same issues. Some walks, some home runs. I think he had more hits and innings pitched, and he wasn't going deep into games. Yeah, and they brought him up. I mean, the, every intention is to put him back. They just activate him this weekend and put him in the bullpen. I think, I mean, every intention is to put him there and kind of build up his strength in, in that role. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't be looking at this as a guy who's, he's going to be, I mean, he's, he's going to be next man up swing man for them for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And this is perfect opportunity to get him a start and see what he can do. Yeah, indeed. So that, that's, and then we said, Michael Bourne, keep an eye on that situation to see how it plays out. Somebody requested talking about Kyle Loesch's uh, strikeout rate and why it's spiked. And it is – it's something that I, I plan on watching some more video on tomorrow because it's its a head-scratcher to me. How does a guy that's a typical 15 to 16% strikeout rate guy all of a sudden put a 22 spot up on us? And his strikeout rate this season is 22%. He's holding uh, – him restricting batting average is not a surprise. But I mean, these are his strikeout rates coming into this season over the last five years. 15, 13, 14, 17, 16, and now 22. Now, um, he he struck out only two today. I was just looking at that. Uh, that yeah, sure. that data includes the data I'm talking about includes today. Ah, okay. Um, let's and uh, who did he face today? Cincinnati. I was Okay, the first thing I started to wonder was, did he, you know, has he, who has he faced this season? I mean, St. Louis, well, and you know, St. Louis, that's a pretty good lineup. But the Padres, Pittsburgh, I mean, they were scuffling at times. I don't know. That's this is interesting. I'll be interested to see what you come up with when you watch him, because uh, I mean, he's always been a solid guy. I mean, occasionally, occasionally he's put up decent strikeouts in a, on a per game beat or in a, in a you know one start or another, but to consistently put up this kind of number is. Uh, it's interesting. And this wasn't a repeat start for him against this uh, against them either. I mean, it's like when you look at his date of the season, he's pitched against the Braves, which is a high – he struck out eight of them, and that's what you should do when you face Atlanta. Um, struck out four Phillies, struck out nine Pirates the first time, struck out five the second time, struck out five Padres, struck out nine Cardinals his last time out, and then struck out two Reds today. Uh, when I look at his pitch usage, it's – I see more sliders. You look – I'm looking at his, his pitch usage – uh, on Brooks baseball, and I see a percentage of slider trending up, up, up over the last four years. I see his percentage of sinkers uh, going down a little bit. So he's throwing more breaking balls now. But that's really the only change. It's more breaking balls. He's cut down on his fastballs a little bit. But that's really it. So that's why I'm like, okay, I want to see as, as as he moved on the rubber and he has he done has he made any changes mechanically. Typically, we don't see these things with these kind of veterans, and you know they're usually rather stable. His velocity hasn't his. The velocity in his four seam has ticked up a little bit. When I'm looking at his average fastball velocity last year, it was 90.3. This year, it's 91.7. So there is a little bit more velocity going on there. And he's got a little more separation on his changeup from 81.4 to 79.8. So a little more separation on that kind of thing. Uh, that may be something to look at. But his release point, everything is in, in line to where it was in the past as far as his vertical release point. His horizontal release point, that would kind of tell you, has he moved on the rubber at all? It's right where it all. It's right where it was last year is where it was the year before. So perhaps it's a velocity thing, but I really need to sit down and watch video on this because just a small tick as far as changing breaking ball, a, a tick up in velocity, shouldn't lead to this kind of dramatic turnaround. 
No, certainly not. I mean, I, I I'm still, I, I'm nothing but inclined to consider this a fluke. Um, but <laughs> I mean, uh, cert- I'd be certainly interested to see to hear what you turn up for sure. What would you What would you consider him for the rest of the season? I mean, it, he was already twelve team mixed material anyhow, just because of his stability. But if you know we were to go and check out his player card to see where they have rest of season projections rest of season projections for him. We look at Zips rest of season. They're saying a six, five strikeout rate right now. It's nine uh, ERA of three seventy seven. right now. It's two seventy. So we're talking about a, a full run jump in his, in his ERA. They're also projecting a full, almost double his home run rate. His current home rates, uh, 0.7, 1.13 is what that's looking at. So rest of the season, do you think that's a, a, a legitimate baseline for him? Do you think that's too, conservative to aggressive where do you set with it i mean i think to me it's i think it's uh, i would say it's about one and i'm i'd be concerned i'd be concerned in the short term uh, well and sometime in the next month or two if there's still not some serious correction and then it kind of comes back to bite i mean this is not a guy i would look to depend on as um as somebody who's going to provide me anything more than an era around three three twenty well somewhere around three twenty five three fifty especially because of the ballpark that he's pitching in now. So that's, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of a bite back. But, I mean, yeah, overall he's going to remain useful in 12-team mixed leagues. He's always a kind of a, at the end reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's where he belongs. I just, I, I guess I'm I'm, I'm surprised at this because I see so so little about his, his anything, his repertoire, his numbers that suggest there's anything drastically different. Uh, I think that this is nothing but a fluke. Yeah, it just... Uh, yeah, I mean, to back it up, and we just go back and look at his career strikeout rates, 16, 16, 15, 13, 11, 17, 15, 14, 15, 13, 14, 17, 16, 24. And it's like, pick out, where's the Thor, Where's the, the sore thumb? That's it. That's the one that stands out. And it's not like he's giving, his walk rate's up a tad, so maybe he's saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to throw a little harder and, and forego a little bit more command, and you know, let's see what happens. But you know, batting average and balls in play, this isn't flukish in that regard. He's always been a guy that's had a low batting average and balls in play. The last three seasons, 269, 262, 276. This year, 255. You look at his percentage of runners, he strands his left on base percentage, 71, 78, 79, 72 this year. So it's not like this is – he's not getting lucky results. It, it's clearly the strikeout rate's helping impact what he's doing. And, but this is – if it's going to fall apart, it's not going to be because he's been lucky in terms of bad ball outcomes or stranding runners. It's been because the strikeout rate disappears. Maybe that second time through the, the league or the second time through the division, guys pick up on it. We saw a little bit of that with the uh, – as I mentioned earlier, the second time he saw the Pirates – Struck out nine the first time, struck out five the second time. So we saw that. Let's keep an eye on the next time he faces the Cardinals, next time he faces the Reds. Let's, let's see what happens because that's he hasn't faced the Cubs yet, and he hasn't faced uh, – forgetting who else is in the division. Drawing a complete blank. Uh, uh, Cincinnati he faced today. Cincinnati he faced uh, – this, we're such real good baseball guys that we're forgetting one of the teams in the Pitt, division. Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> this is this is truly pathetic. Um, Pittsburgh Cubs, Cincinnati. Saint he hasn't faced he hasn't faced the Cubs this year. Ah. There it is. He hasn't faced the Cubs. That's the one we're drawing the blank on. But he has. I'm just looking at. It, I'm like, oh, wait, that's that's. He faced the Cubs on nine nineteen. I was confusing it with their, another date. So he hasn't faced the, the Cubs yet. The thing that's interesting to me about is that uh, I mean, to me, when a guy when a guy's generating a bunch of strikeouts. Uh, it, I, oftentimes you can see that it'll have an impact on his left on base percentage. And, and it's kind of the opposite. I mean, he's, he hasn't really, it makes me, I mean, has he just been in, in, uh, has he been, uh, he's walked some guys. So maybe he's been in more situations where again, like he's kind of soft the strikeout. I mean, over, but like, I guess it just makes me wonder if he loses the strikeouts, does the, does the, on base, does the left on base percentage go down even more? But I mean, typically he's always been a guy who's been around the same percentage that he's had this year. I, I, I mean, I don't, and, and the last couple of years, he was really good in that area. And I think that that's kind of indicative of the way offense is going more so than the quality of Kyle Loesch. But I just overall, it makes me I, – I, he's confounding to me other than the fact that, I mean, I think that, that he's he's always been a guy who's been pretty good at limiting base runners and just somebody is eventually going to tee off on him. It, yeah, it could happen. I, for the home runs. Yeah, for the home runs, that's got to catch up to him. Uh, call up. Speaking of home runs, CJ Cron was called up. He was slugging over 600 in AAA. That was Pacific Coast League. That's going to happen. But his call up was 
pretty much a surprise. I don't think anybody really saw this coming up, but he uh, had his debut debuted uh, on Saturday, went three for five in that game with a double and two RBI uh, for that contest. So they've called him up and they're putting him in. It's not like Raul Labanya. I mean, Raul Labanya's a stunk. Uh, you know, who didn't see this one coming, but he's stunk. So maybe Kron's up to stay, and he's shown an ability to hit in the minors. Let's say, you know, it, you're putting a free agent bid in him on a 12-team mixed league. What are you paying? Or a 12, and it, let's say you were an AL Tout Wars. What are you paying to bid for him? AL Tout Wars, I would, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. I, I would, uh, because, well, assuming in AL Tout Wars that he hadn't been picked in reserve, uh, and so he's available to me. And considering how often talent comes up when uh, in league, I especially because it's a bigger bidding system, I throw like fifty or seventy-five bucks on him and just say, <laughs> let the chips fall where they may, and give them to me because I know that if this guy doesn't stick now, he eventually has to be part of the solution down the road. He's actually he's, available in his backwards. Oh my! Well, then yeah, I would. <laughs> I mean, I I throw some cash at him. It's not it's not often that you have an impact player who comes up, and it, obviously you can always reserve him if he if he's sent down. So it's not a big deal. I, I think that. I mean, I would throw it at him because, I mean, talking about the kind of impact he can make, I, I think, I mean, this was supposed to be a short-term call-up from everything I understand. But the fact that Raul Ibanez has been god-awful, I mean, if you, I think if Ibanez struggles for another month, it could be a solution. That the, and, and David Freeze is on the DL. I mean, it's it's all these little things add up, and it, give, it gives Kron a shot to, you know, participate for a few days. And, and he's leaving, he's going to leave a good impression. There's no question. Mm-hmm. So, it's got to serve some notice to some people. I mean, I think that that's what I look at is a, where I don't get discouraged if I put in a bid for him now in an AL league, especially. Um, I, I don't care even if he's sent down because to me, his bottom line, he's going to get a chance one way or another down the road. Uh, of course, I'd like him to stick around because I'd like the playing time more and more. But um, in, in a I, 15 team mixed league or any mixed league, um, I throw maybe a buck on him. I don't see, well, buck in $100 or, you know, I mean, I've seen $1,000 caps. I played in those and, you know, 10, 12, 15, 25, 27, something in that range. I mean, I wouldn't put anything on him. I wouldn't look to blow anything on him because of the very real possibility that he's going to be sent down sometime back, uh, this week. But uh, I think that the upside is too great in AL only to let this guy get away. Yeah, I mean, for me, AL Towers, it, it sounds kind of funny to say this. I don't need him. When in power wise, I, I've got <laughs> I be mean, I have Jose Abreu, I have Will Myers, I have Joyce. Don't jinx yourself. I, it's man. Been, I it's been nice, but I, <laughs> I I need to like move some power. I need to trade some power in this league because you know today I had Abreu, Myers, Rasmus, and Melky Cabrera hit home runs, and Melky's got six, Rasmus has seven, Abreu has twelve now. It's ridiculous what he's doing uh, with that. So it's like I need to try to move some uh, the pop for some speed. So if you're a Tout Wars guy listening, call me up. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the other one, Marcus Stroman. Uh, was called up and actually pitched today against Pittsburgh. If you if you do have MLB.tv, go watch the watch the the bullpen uh, session that he, uh, not the bullpen, but the relief appearance that he made, and watch the Pittsburgh broadcast because Pittsburgh is one of those beautiful teams that uses the dead center camera. So it's much easier to watch a guy when, from those broadcasts because you get a true feel for how much their stuff moves. And if they're falling uh, in part of their delivery, I love watching Pittsburgh Pirates broadcast. You know, when you, when, if you're somebody like me who likes to, you know, watch that video, take animations to do your own evalu- to do your own video study. Because if you can use any software you want to grab animations, and then you could slow it down, rewind it, and you can watch things. Because sometimes, you know, you and I aren't trained scouts. But I can, if I can slow it down and rewind it, I can see things. I'm, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not like a Jason Gray who can sit there and, yep, that guy's falling off, that guy's short strutting. I need to be able to rewind it and do something like that. Uh, but yeah. look at the Pittsburgh broadcast because I sat there, uh, I watched about six or seven of his pitches today when a friend's like, hey, Strowman's pitching. I flipped over uh, and checked that out, but I saw the view and I've got a note on my desk here. Check that out tomorrow so I can look at and see what it is. And with Strowman, they're putting him in the bullpen right now. But again, they have that six man rotation in Toronto. I think eventually he's going to crack it because you, you, I like this move. This is what Baltimore used to do way back in the day. Call up their guys, mm-hmm. throw them in the bullpen, get them their work, and then ease them into the rotation. And I, yeah. it looks like that's what Toronto's going to do here eventually. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of upside um, potential to be the, have the same kind of impact as the Drew Hutchinson, same kind of uh, potential with the strikeouts and, and stuff like that. Going to have some rough starts, but also going to be electric in some of them. So. Yeah, I mean, I would I would be eager to have him in an AOL mm-hmm. too. All right, let's look at the two-star pitchers this week. Um, we're going to take 
Ventura off the board because we've already discussed him and it's not <laughs> he's got he's got San Diego and Seattle. I mean it's gonna be a if you're a Ventura owner, this is gonna be a great week uh for you to own him because that, that is two supreme matchups with the swing and miss in the Seattle lineup uh and just the, the lack of punch in this in the San Diego lineup. This should be a very, very good week to own uh Ventura. But let's look at the American League. Who would you like out of this as your two start guy? I'm going to abstain. Come on. I mean, I last week I picked CC Sabathia because he was going against the Rays <laughs> for one of the starts, and he was terrible both in both of his starts. And then I and I said, stay away from John Lackey, and he put up two fantastic starts. <gasps> what did I choose? Starts. Um, I don't remember because I was just embarrassed by myself. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I I kind of like um, I kind. Yeah, obviously the uh, well, yeah, the Trevor Bauer mentioned that. I, I, Josh Tomlin, we talked about, is not being a very good one. So I don't know. There's not really much intriguing to me unless you're talking about. Uh, I mean, I, who do you, how do you recommend a Martin Perez at Colorado? <laughs> and the, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. So there's not really anything besides the Ventura, the Max Scherzer. I mean, any of the studs types uh, the, that really stands out to me. Right, here's the thing with this week, because there's so much crap pitching the next two days. The two start guys this week are really light. I mean, tomorrow. With two start, you've got Casimir going tomorrow. You're going to have Ventura. You have Scherzer. Uh, I think so. I mean, that's strong. I mean, those three are strong. But the rest of the American League, it's like yuck. I mean, my guy outside of those three, I like Jose Quintana because he's got the Cubs and he's got he's got Arizona. Two offenses that aren't that. playing too well. Yeah, and I think uh, that's I was. I mean, I, I saw that one. That's intriguing to me. The Cubs are they're, they're just right now. Though I mean, they're they're very chippy. I mean, they've. I don't know what they're doing tonight. I had the game one, and I haven't. They were losing. They were losing three two last time I looked. Okay, and, and but I mean they were. They've already won the series against St. Louis, who has actually started to come around. I think. Um, I mean, they're one of those offenses that I don't think you can underestimate anymore. So, it, but uh, I think the one the one that intrigues me the most is uh, Rowenus Elias because I'm trying to see if uh, I have. I think I think Seattle has faced. Um, Oakland a couple of times, but I don't think that he has faced them. Yeah, and I think well, no, he faced him in the first, his first start of the year, and he was he was pretty solid against them. But I think that uh, given there's been enough distance between him, that uh, maybe he's he's and he's certainly he's been pretty effective. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, if if they think if he overcomes that first start because the second start is against uh, is against KC, mm-hmm. and obviously they've been pretty bad, especially I think against left-handed pitching. Yeah, it's a uh, like I said, not a very strong week for the uh, for the AL. Looking at the NL. Uh, we've got a couple of, you know, with Matt Cain, we mentioned he's going to be on the disabled list. It looks like Yusmero Petit will be taking his spot. Petit pitched for Cain the other day, uh, and so Petit would slot in here. He would be facing the Pirates and the Dodgers. But looking at the other 15 or so two-start guys in the NL, who stands out to you? Uh, Tim Hudson is pitching out of his gourd, uh, but obviously the second matchup, I guess, potentially uh, against uh, at the Dodgers is not necessarily attractive. Uh, I would not trust Aaron Harang because the corrections could be continuing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, it's 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 another situation. Uh, nobody stands out to me. Uh, uh, maybe John Neese, but uh, I think. Miami is kind of hit or miss. I mean, they have the they have ridiculous talent on offense, and I I can't remember if they've particularly if they've tortured left-handers, but they've uh, they've been kind of – they've been either hot or cold, and I'd be really wary of, of whether I catch them in a hot one. You know, here's the thing. So, I don't mind starting Nice this week, even though it's Miami, because they're on the road. That's the thing. They're, they're, yeah. they're such a – there's such a Jekyll and Hyde team at home when they're stealing signs out of the, out of the home run sculpture. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're really good at home, but all of a sudden those same batters can't make contact on the road. They have a league worst 31% strikeout rate on the road. They just have not yeah. been able to make contact on the road. Oh, I'm, Go ahead. Yeah, there's there's the perfect one, Nate Evaldi, who's been obviously he's been emerging and he gets the Mets and the friggin' Padres. So yep. that's pretty much <laughs> that, that's a good one. I was going to mention. Um, Henderson Alvarez with the Mets and Padres. I was going to mention yeah. uh, Zach Greinke because the Na- the Nationals lineup is half strength. It has not been a good team, and they've been terrible against right-handed starting pitching. And then the Giants yeah. aren't, haven't been playing that well either. So I mean, Zach Greinke's kind of cheating because you're not going to you're, you're going to have him in your lap every day, anyways. But I would take a chance with Henderson Alvarez. I like the matchups with the Mets uh, and the Padres, and as you said with Eovaldi, same kind of thing. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, and uh, brings up uh, Jordan Lyles' awful week for him, but uh, I mean he's been he's been phenomenal, and I, I it might be a guy that I visit in a writing topic this week. Um, somebody that is, I mean, the ground ball rate has been sensational, and that's what you need to succeed. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, ask for the final th- your your final thought for the day is like, what do you have planned for writing this week? 
Yeah, that's and that's. I mean, that's. I was actually uh, for. I was kind of a, uh, being a little. Uh, what's the word? Never mind. Anyway, that's what I, I think. That's. I mean, it might be a guy I look at now. If he gets bombed uh, at the beginning of the week uh, against Texas, I, I would just consider the, just say you know there's no point in even bothering because no one's going to listen anyway. I mean, nobody wants to own a Colorado pitcher, and I don't blame them. He's not owned in any mixed leagues. No, no Colorado pitcher is owned in a mixed league I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of reason to believe that Lyles could have a pretty good uh, – continue to have good NL only beer for, for the entire season. That one surprises me because when that trade happened, I thought the Astros really worked over the Rockies. I mean, Jordan Lyles, he features, a breaking ball. Yeah, he features a breaking ball, which by the laws of physics is not going to work well in Coors Field. And then Brandon Barnes, who was a dime a dozen player for Fowler. I mean, it's worked. it's been a good trade for both teams so far. But I thought that I'm like, really? That's all you wanted for Dexter Fowler? You know, please and thank you. Uh, so, you know, so far so good with Lyles. It's been impressive with what he's been able to do so far. And even Brandon Barnes, I'm, I'm carrying Brandon Barnes in my NL only league because he's stealing bases. He's getting some runs. He's hitting for average. I, I need that right now in that lineup. I'll need more of it if Jay Bruce is going to miss some time with the uh, with the knee surgery in there. I think what's um... – What's interesting, and I, I mean, I think what it is for Lyles, I mean, I know he's, he's started, he really started to throw a two-seamer a lot in the last couple of years, well, last year, I think, in particular, and he started even more this year, and um, I mean, they said, I was reading, and they said that he's throwing the pitch with a lot more conviction this year, and just in general, he's just, like, might be one of those guys, he was always kind of considered, like, one of this, you know, borderline top prospect for Houston, uh, it's a new regime there, no, no attachment to him, they were more than happy to trade him if they could get Dexter Fowler, obviously, I don't blame them, but uh, the ground ball rate has been sensational, I think the two-seamer, the development of that um, has been really, it's been really, really, really effective for him, and uh, again, I mean, I think it, it, there's, there's no strikeout, strikeout upside here, but I mean, kind of one of those guys who could, who could kind of defy the odds and, and uh, uh, but I mean, his, his xFIP I mean, is, is a little under four. I think that's really what you're looking at. So I mean, I, obviously, I'm not recommending this guy to continue to be putting up a, a sub three ERA. Yes, uh, and to close out the show, it is now official. Jay Bruce will be out for the next three to four weeks uh, as he needs surgery to repair a partially torn meniscus in his left knee. Outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, he had five stolen bases in the season. He was actually running. He was starting to <laughs> That's hit. That's what did it. <laughs> and yeah, they, I mean, the batting average is only 220, but he had driven in 14 runs and stolen five bases, and now he is out for three to four weeks. So with that bit of bad news, uh, thanks again for tuning in uh, to the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. We, we will rejoin you on Tuesday as Eno switches seats with Nick, and we discuss the other 30 players that will probably get hurt between now and then and how you can replace those guys in your lineup. Thanks again. Thank you.